Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. After that, I need to go on what my wife jokes about my announcer voice. And here's Joe Buck with sports. The headlines and the... No, I... I do have that name. I'm a different one. Hopefully you weren't expecting to see him today. Uh, You'll be disappointed. But uh, we are here in this uh, sermon series about decisions. Uh, And and this gets us there, this this idea of what y'all been doing for these weeks. Uh, We're talking about making decisions. We make a lot of decisions every day. Lots of decisions that don't matter. But we're talking about decisions that matter right here, right now. And not only that, but here and in the hereafter. And, and that's what we're after uh, in this series. We're talking about a decision today to persevere. To persevere. It's something we don't talk about all the time. Uh, it has to deal with consistency. Now, consistency is not flashy. We like surprise. We like things to be different. But when it comes to our faith journey, we need to be consistent. We need to be about God uh, every day. Now, we may not think that predictability is desirable, but God does. God wants it to be predictable that each day we get up and say, I want to be more like Jesus today. I want to persevere in my faith. And that's what God wants for us, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, that's what it is to persevere. Now, we have some friends, and we served in Sandersville before we came here. And we have some good friends there. And, and one of those families, uh, they have three daughters. And the third uh, daughter is a good bit younger than the middle daughter. And she has grown up uh, a little uh, bit, uh, well, how should we say, she's precocious, okay? And as she was going and getting ready to go into pre-K, she was moving from the church preschool where she had been with us for a while, and she was getting ready to go up to pre-K, and she was over there talking with the headmaster. Uh, and now her mom teaches at this school. And so you see this interaction between the headmaster and this little girl, and she's talking to her about being excited about the next school year and how things work. And, and she asked her, she said, you know, Mary Thomas, are you excited uh, about coming to Brentwood? And she said, yes. And she leaned over in her headmaster way and looked her in the eyes and said, Mary Thomas, at Brentwood, we say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And Mary Thomas, as only she could do, said, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. (laughs) And that's Mary Thomas. But that's not what we're talking about right here. That's not what we're talking about in our faith journey. We're not talking about uh, doing the right thing sometimes. Sometimes I do what I'm supposed to do, and sometimes I do not. That's what Mary Thomas is saying. And that's what many of us say in our faith journey. Sometimes I do what I'm supposed to do, and sometimes I do something else. Something I know I'm not supposed to be doing. Uh, That response to talk to God that way, to look at our relationship with God that way, that limits our growth. It prevents us from being who God wants us to be. It stops us on that journey to be more like Jesus. It prevents us from being who 
God called us to be. Now, it's not how we start off. It's not just that. It's not just how we start off. It's how we finish. It's how we persevere. In this series, you've heard about decisions uh, to choose to follow Jesus. We talked about uh, decisions to choose a new life. Uh, decisions to mature in the Christian life, to respond uh, to uh, God's direction. But all that is nothing. All that is nothing unless we decide to persevere. Human beings left to our own abilities are fallen people. We are broken, we are greedy, we want the easy way out, we want the biggest reward we can get with the least amount of work, we want the path of least resistance. That's who we are. We are fallen and we are broken and we need Jesus. If we sign up for a deal and we don't like the terms, we are quick to want to renegotiate. We want to restructure things to make it a little easier on ourselves to make it how uh, we want things to be, how our life will be most comfortable. Now, people sign up for gym memberships all the time, and that's a commitment, and, and you sign up, and you say, I'm going to try to get healthier. I'm trying to, to do what I need to do. Uh, and then sometimes days, uh, maybe weeks or months down the road, and they aren't going, uh, they lose that commitment. And so what do they do? They may not have had the strength to go to the gym, but they got the strength to call and cancel that membership and be done with it. Some of us, I know when we moved here, we got involved with AT&T, and you've got that promo when you move, and then after that stuff expires, when the real rates kick in, then you start reconsidering the deal you made, and you think, maybe I should go with another provider and move on to somebody else. I remember my own life uh, years ago in uh, my relationship that was strained most of the time with Comcast. Uh, that Comcast, uh, without warning, you know, would raise the rates and do these things and restructure your deal without uh, giving you much option. And I had had enough of Comcast at that point. I had lived with just Antenna before, and I thought, I'm going to go live with just Antenna again. And so I went and did the best thing that I knew to do to, do to get out of this relationship with Comcast, and I grabbed everything that they had brought into my house. I grabbed the cables, I grabbed the box, I grabbed remote controls, I grabbed everything that they had given to me so I could have their service. And I went down uh, to their regional office. So I had to drive 15 miles, I get over there, and I'm telling you what, I had it all in my arms like this, and it's like I, I, I could have used this music, because when I walked in, it was a power walk, dun, dun, dun. I had all my stuff, I walked in the door, and then I promptly got in line and stood there for a while waiting to get to the counter. And I walk up there finally when it's my turn, and I drop that stuff on the counter, and I said, I want out. I'm done with Comcast. And so she listened to me, and she understood. Yes, sir, I understand the rate went up. Blah, blah, blah. Well, by the end of it, as I started to soften a little bit, they offered me a new deal. <laughs> Slash the price and the rate and all that stuff. And, and there I was scooping up my stuff and walking back out of Comcast on my way home with my new deal. But I had, you know, gotten a new deal. It wasn't what I had planned to do in there, but that's, that's what they got me with. But that's what we do. That's the way it should work with our relationship with God, right? I mean, I sign on to this 
commitment. I sign on to this relationship with God. We've got a way it works. I'm submitting my life to him. I'm giving myself over to him. I should be able to change things when it gets a little too difficult. Maybe I even walk away. Maybe I just go looking for a better deal with less guilt and less requirement. No, uh, that's not how it's supposed to work with our faith. Um, Paul speaks to us in a letter today, and his message worked in his day, and it still works in our day. It's hard to argue uh, with Paul because what he taught, what he wrote about, he actually lived. And then for us today, uh, we're going to look to the letter that he wrote to a church that he started in Philippi, and this letter that we call Philippians. And so he's writing to this church that he loves, that he started, that he goes to visit and cares for and, and, and calls out to them and encourages them and corrects them and, and loves them so much. And this is what he has to say here in chapter 3 in verses 10 to 14. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God's word for us today. We hear from Paul. Paul is a high church guy. He is, as he describes himself, he was a Jew among Jews. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Uh, he was devoted to his faith. And he was a defender of his faith. He went after the Christians. He went after the followers of Jesus. He believed that they were against God and he was going to wipe them out. And he did everything he could, persecuting them, making sure they were being killed, imprisoned, trying to uh, defeat this movement, trying to defeat the followers of Jesus. And he has this interaction with Jesus. He has this encounter with Christ. And in that encounter, it changes everything. Paul is changed. And instead of trying to uh, defeat and wipe out these followers of Jesus, he goes around spending his whole rest of his life making followers of Jesus. He does everything he can. He goes to a community. There's no church. He starts a church. He moves on to the next community to start another church, to care for them, to speak about Jesus and to make followers of Jesus. That's who, that's who Paul is. And we see in this church that he's planted in Philippi that he's trying to encourage them because they've come to know Jesus. They stood up and they have said, yes, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want you to take over my life. I want you to transform me. I, I want you to, to take away all the stuff that keeps me from you and, and wipe it out and make me more like Jesus every day. I want to, to dwell with you 
for eternity. I want to be a follower of Jesus. But then, after that, life happens. And Paul and the own, uh, these folks that he knows, that he helps start with this church, uh, they're struggling. They're struggling. And so he goes and, and he writes them and says, this is what we need to do. You need to do this. This is what we are doing together. And so he lays it out for them and he, and he says, this is what we're doing, that we may know Jesus. It's not just that first decision. He's saying that we may know Jesus fully by the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings to be conformed even to his death, he says. Power and fellowship. He's explaining to the people in Philippi and to us today that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the cross. There is power in the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I know life is hard. I know you want to know Jesus and things are getting in the way, but the power of Jesus is stronger than any of that. And so that, he says, is one of the things that we need to lean on, the strength of his resurrection, but also the fellowship that we have. Paul knew that we, his brothers and sisters, are better together, that we are stronger together, that we can fight against the evil of this world and the things that would drive us apart if we do it together. And so he says that there in verse 10, that you would have this fellowship, you would have this strength of Jesus. J.D. Walt is a professor up at Asbury uh, in Kentucky. And J.D. has a great way of looking at at salvation uh, to help us understand. And he just says very simply that we are justified, which is to use Paul's language, the uh, theological term to mean saved, that we are justified alone. We make that decision. We decide that we want to follow Jesus. Not our parents, not our spouses, not our girlfriends or boyfriends, or even our children. We don't make that decision for them. We make that decision with us and God. But J.D. says we are sanctified together. That's using Paul's language. To put it in the way we talk, we are saved alone but we are perfected together. We grow to be like Jesus when we are together, when we are working together. And that's what we see here in Paul. He's telling us that Jesus saves, and to become like him, to to persevere, we must be together to lean on each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. And Paul says, I lay hold of this. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to wrap my arms, I'm trying to wrap my arms around Jesus. I'm trying to get my arms around him because the way he has done that for me, I feel his embrace, and I'm trying to understand, and I'm trying to to be more like him. I'm trying to lay hold of the goal. And he tells us what the goal is. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting my failures, forgetting even my successes. He says, forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward. I reach forward to what lies ahead. And in verse 14, I press on toward the goal. I press on towards the prize. I don't look back. I keep moving forward towards that goal. It's the upward call, he says. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This pursuit of God. This is what Paul is talking about. Saved by ourselves. 
but we are perfected together. Paul lived this life. He preached to these folks, and he would write to them. He would come to visit them. He would check on them. He would try to encourage them. And, and you know what? That's really how the Methodist church even started. John Wesley uh, went to the fields to preach, and he set up these networks of, of small group ministry where you looked after someone, you cared for each other, you tried to lean on someone, hey, I'm struggling with this, and, and they were honest with each other, and they tried to build each other up and, and hold each other accountable. And this movement, it blew up. It exploded out of the Anglican Church and became its own movement because of that. Now, there were some great leaders at the beginning of the church, uh, John Wesley, of course, and, and Charles Wesley, his brother, writing all those amazing hymns. There's another guy, though, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest evangelists to ever live in the faith. A man by the name of George Whitfield. Whitfield, many say, is the greatest American evangelist because he came uh, from England and was in America. Seven different trips he'd made across the Atlantic to get over to America to preach, to be in the colonies. Uh, many people call him the father of the founding fathers because he was their faith father. Washington, all of them, uh, listened to Whitfield. And he preached, they said, back in the day, you know, we didn't have internet, and we didn't have the TV, we didn't have the radio, any of that stuff. In his lifetime, he preached to millions of people. And he converted tens of thousands of people to be followers of Jesus, to make that statement, to stand up and say, I want to give my life over, I want to be transformed. But even with that impact, at the end of his life, he lamented one thing, that he had not developed the infrastructure that John Wesley did. He did not have the follow-up that John Wesley did because it grieved his heart to know that all those people who raised their arms up and, and said they were going to do it, that so many of them fell away. Because when life happened, just like when this church in Philippi, when life happened, they fell away. They had no one to care for them. They had no structure. They had no one to lift them up when life happened to them. And it grieved him to know that so many had been lost, that he was trying to save. What does consistency look like? What does persevering look like? What does it look like for you and for me? What things are preventing us from being who God called us to be? To being the followers of Jesus that we know in our hearts we're supposed to be. Life happens. We get distracted. Do you follow Jesus? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I can't help but shoot my hip out there a little bit when I do Mary Thomas. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Do you follow Jesus? Where are you being pushed? Where are you being pushed in your life to give in? Where are you being pushed to throw in the towel? to back away from the commitment to 
distract yourself from the prize, the purpose, the thing that Jesus has for us. You see, we're working toward a goal. Paul says, not that I have already obtained it. Not that I'm there yet, but I am reaching. I am pushing. I am trying. I am going where sent and doing what God has called me to do. I am persevering in my faith. I am reaching forward. Now, I'm a, I'm a triathlete, uh, which most of the year means I run, depending on the weather. But one of my heroes in running uh, is what many consider one of the greatest middle distance runners ever, uh, whether American or otherwise, is Steve Prefontaine. So Steve Prefontaine uh, had a certain way of running. He didn't believe in holding back. When a lot of the strategy in middle distance running is kind of gauge each other out as you're running laps, uh, kind of hold back, draft off people, and then in the last lap or two try to see who has the best kick and, and try to win the race. He didn't want to win that way. He refused to win that way. He says that he needs to run out front. He wanted to run out front and as fast as he could go so he would be completely exhausted when he got to the finish line. Whether he won or lost, he wanted to be exhausted at the end of the race to run with everything he had. He has a, a great quote says, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. You see, we have been given an amazing gift. We have been given salvation. We have been given this relationship with Jesus. And we stand up and say, yes, Lord, yes, me, transform me, Lord, take me, make me what you will. But if we don't give our best, if we don't persevere in the faith, we sacrifice his gift. We say it was all for naught, that work on the cross is nice and all, but it doesn't mean that much to me. What's getting pushed out of your life? What are you not making time for? What is taking your time? What are you uh, missing out on? Are you missing out on your scripture reading? Are you missing out on devotional time? Are you missing out on prayer time with God? Are you missing out on caring for your brothers and sisters and accountability groups and someone that can help you along this journey? What are you missing out on for these other things of the world? Paul tells us all we need to know about how we fight it. As I told you at the beginning in verse 10, that I may know the power of Jesus' resurrection and the fellowship of that suffering that I would be conformed, even to his death, that I would know that power to know Jesus, to feel his power, to share in his fellowship together with each of you, my brothers and sisters. This is what Paul says we are about. It's not just how we start that matters. It's more than that. It's how we finish. It's how we persevere. May we 
make the decision today to persevere, to commit ourselves to God's purposes, to press on toward that prize, to give our very best and to appreciate that gift. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you know us, Lord. You know us inside and out. You know our strengths and you know our weaknesses. You know the ways that we are so good at studying the contract. We're so good at renegotiating the deal and coming up with an easier path or a a better one that, that doesn't require as much of us, Lord. But we need you today in your power, Lord. Right now in this moment, speak to our hearts. Let your Holy Spirit do his good work, Lord. There's a a work of conviction that we need for sure. But also the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is that encouragement, that empowerment that you alone, Lord, give us right now. We need it, Lord. Get inside of us and and let us know what's that thing that needs to go away. And, And as we sit here and pray together with our eyes closed and we focus on you, Lord, and that voice inside of us, we can hear you. As you're telling us what we need to do, may we raise a hand here or there. Just raise your arm up and say, yes, Lord, I hear you. I know that there is something that you're convicting me with. There's something that, that is choking me off. It's, it's preventing me from persevering, from becoming who you call me to be, Lord. Lord, I know that you see it in my heart. Remove it, Lord. Empower me today. Let your Holy Spirit do your great work. You would feel your strength right here and now, Lord. Eliminate it all. Wipe it away. Leave only Jesus there in our hearts, Lord. Strengthen us today as we persevere in the faith, as we give our very best to you, Lord. Make it be, Lord. Let it be right now, we pray. In the blessed name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldasa.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.